Welcome to the Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn of Houston Public Media. And I'm Eric Skelly from Rocco, the River Oaks Chamber Orchestra. And this time, we're talking about Georges Bizet's Les Pêcheurs de Pearl, Eric, the Pearl Fishers, which mm. debuted in Paris in 1863. Yeah, an opera which probably not many of us have actually seen live, but we've all heard the big tenor baritone duet Au Fond de Temple Saint. Every tenor and baritone in the world wants to sing this duet, and they do. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and that comes uh, almost at the beginning of, yeah, of right Act at the top. One. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The situation is the, the opera is set in Ceylon. Modern Sri, day Lanka, Sri Lanka, yeah. In ancient times. And there is this group of pearl fishers that inhabit the shores. And I don't know if it's each year, but whenever they are going out, to search for pearls. We've seen it, those Sri Lankan boys that jump off the boat and dive down to the floor of the ocean and collect the oyster shells and bring them back up. Right, very dangerous without benefit of, you know, (laughs) oxygen tanks or none of that stuff. It's just them. They dive down, they have to hold their breath, get the oyster and bring it up. So every time that they do this, there's a religious component. Right. And they bring a virgin priestess who has to sort of maintain vigil on the shore to ensure that no harm falls to the fishers. At the open of Act One, the fishermen are electing a new king, their sort of chief fisherman, Mm -hmm. the Fisher King. Right, Fisher King, right. (laughs) But I'm pumped. Thank you, Houston. He'll be here all week. <laughs> and Zerga is elected. And he recognizes someone amongst the other fishermen, and they actually they recognize one another. They had known each other before. Uh, the other fellow's name being Nadir. Nadir. And they have a troubled past. Yeah. They've they ha- fallen out with one another over a woman. Right. It's someone that they sort of saw from afar, and she was sort of this this goddess figure that sort of appeared to them, and they both fell in love with her, and they fell out with them with one another because they they fought over her, and her name was Layla, but they don't know it yet. They don't know <laughs> it. But what they did was they both came to the conclusion that their friendship was more important than becoming romantically involved with this girl, whichever of them might win. Right. And this is the, the subject of the duet that we spoke of, Au Fond de Temple Saint. And they sort of work through their past and rededicate themselves to their friendship in, in the present. Which, of course, means that their friendship is going to flounder it's gonna in go the course of the opera. <laughs> because, as you say, they're bringing in this virgin priestess of Brahma to stand vigil on the shore and basically to pray for them to, so that nothing bad happens. And in comes said priestess and her name... She arrives in a boat... Mm-hmm. As they're getting ready to to depart, and and the fishermen are doing their sacred dances, uh, their ritual dances on the shore to ward away 
the evil spirits uh, so that nobody comes to any harm, etc. Mm -hmm. And as this boat draws up on the beach, there is this veiled girl in the boat who is the virgin priestess whose prayers are going to ensure the safety of the fishermen while they go out to look for pearls. Right. As you said, Eric, neither Zoga or Nadir recognize her as the girl from the past. Because she's veiled. She's veiled. And <laughs> this, I think, is funny. They knew her from a place called Candy. Not Candy, Candy. Candy. <laughs> <laughs> With a K. With a K. <laughs> but of course, Layla recognizes Nadia. Right. Because he broke his vow to Zurga in the past and had some sort of a relationship with her. Or, or at least tempted her. She was tempted to enter a relationship with him, which of course is forbidden her because she's a virgin a priestess. priestess. Right. A priestess. And Nadia sings about breaking his vow to Zerga. He has the aria Je crois entendre encore. Right. Where he relives all of that and you know the shame, but there's also that sense of of love and expectation. And he had, But he doesn't know, of course, that this is Layla, that this is the same woman. Well, except that there was a rumor that he might be able to find her around here, and that's why he's there. Back. That's right. why he's there. He sings to her, and she recognizes his voice. And when she draws back her veil, he recognizes her as the woman that he and Zurga both fell in love with and that he, uh, he had some sort of <laughs> dalliance with, perhaps. And they renew their love for each other. They declare that renewed passion. Right. The fishermen are asking, you know, are, are waiting for her to stand vigil and offer her protection over them, but she tells Nadir that she's she's there for him alone. The rest of them can just, you know, fend for themselves. Forget about them. Forget about them. <laughs> That's right. And we have the, the act ending with this odieu Brahma that she will sing for Nadir. Right. End of Act One. End of Act One. Act Two starts in the temple. Nurabad, the high priest, is there with Layla. Mm -hmm. And she expresses that she's worried about being left alone, standing vigil. Yeah, and he basically tells her to buck up. <laughs> <laughs> or she'll be killed. Right. If she doesn't fulfill her duty. Exactly. And then she tells him this story of a time when she was a child and she showed great courage because she had hidden a man who was on the run, a fugitive. She'd hidden him from his enemies and refused to give him up, even when the men that were pursuing him threatened her life. Something tells me this is important. That's right. <laughs> this is going to come back. And the fugitive was so grateful for the courage that she had shown and the way that, that her actions had saved him that he gave her a necklace and asked her to wear it always as a token of his gratitude. And she had kept that promise. And she explains to Norabad, I kept that promise to wear the necklace and I will keep my promise, I will keep my vows. And when Nurabad is gone, however, she sort of reflects on the fact that she didn't exactly keep all of her vows exactly. 
she starts to think about the times that she and Nadir spent together. Comme autrefois, dans la nuit sombre. Just like in the past, in the dead of night. Yes. Then Nadir comes in. Cue Nadir. Of course, Layla is worried about the, sort of the threat back. that yeah. Nurabad has uh, placed on her, and yeah. she begs Nadir to leave. But he says no, he stays, and guess what happens? Love duet. Cue duet. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end of the love duet, he leaves, promising to return the next night. But he gets caught leaving. By the fisherman. Yes. And he gets brought back to the temple. Yes. And Zurga, who is, of course, the, the fisherman's king, the leader, mm -hmm. is brought in to sort of be the judge. Yeah. Because he is the king. Yeah, rule on what they're, what they're going to do with an idea. And at first, he's, he's inclined toward clemency. However, <laughs> once Layla's veil comes off and Zorga recognizes her as the woman that initially caused the rift between the two of them, there's a little change of heart. <laughs> He's not so inclined to clemency anymore. Imagine that. And he orders that both Layla and Nadir be executed. They be put to death. And as he orders that, this violent storm erupts. And the fishermen are all freaked. And the act ends with them singing this exaltation to Brahma, Brahma Divam Brahma, asking for protection from the evil spirits. End of Act Two. End of Act Two. End of Act Two. Act Three opens inside Zurga's tent on the beach. The storm has died down. And, his and he's anger, not so angry anymore. Right, has abated as well. <laughs> Dude, make up your mind. <laughs> <laughs> and he actually feels bad for the anger that he showed toward his friend Nadir. L'orage est calmé, is his aria. The storm has been calmed, literally and figuratively. Yes. Then Layla is brought in, and he is captivated once more by her beauty, and she is pleading for him to spare Nadir's life. And that doesn't go over very well, does it? No. <laughs> he gets jealous again. Again. And he tells her he loves her, but he refuses to show any mercy. Yeah. And he sings, Je suis jaloux. I am jealous. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> then Nurabad and some of the fishermen come in to report that the funeral pyre is ready. Oh boy! This is this is what's, <laughs> what's going to happen to Layla and Nadir. And they're going to be burned alive on the funeral oh, pyre. Oh boy! So they're taking Layla away, right? And as they're leading her away, she takes off this necklace to give to one of the fishermen and Surga recognizes the necklace and rushes after them to take it from She takes it off and, and asks this fisherman to give it to her mother, to make sure her mother gets it. Right. And Zurga sees Intercepts it. Intercepts it. And, of course, he recognizes the necklace. Yeah, yep, yep. However, <laughs> outside the temple, 
Nadir is waiting there for this coming execution. I mean, you know, yeah. everybody's singing and dancing and they're all looking forward to, you know, the fun of the execution. Yeah, big show. <laughs> and Layla comes to him and they're both now resigned to their fates. Right. And they sing of how much like Tristan and Isolde, their, their souls will be united in heaven. Tristan and Isolde, the whole number, the list is endless, yes, exactly. <laughs> and then a glow appears in the sky, and Zogo rushes in and tells everybody that the fisherman's camp is on fire, and everybody rushes away to save their homes. Homes, while Zurga lets Nadir and Layla go free. Because he has the necklace and he gives it back to Layla and tells her. He was the guy that she saved when she was a child. He was the guy that gave her the necklace originally. And he realizes now that his love for her is in vain. She doesn't love him. Yeah. She loves Nadir. Yeah. And so he is giving them an out. He's distracted all the fishermen because he actually set fire to the village. Right. To create that distraction. <laughs> Heck of a guy. Yeah. <laughs> and off they go. Leila yep. and Nadir run away to start their life of bliss and happiness together. And Zurga is left alone waiting for the fishermen to return from their burned down village. Yeah. And that's the end of the opera. End of the opera. Now, there, there have been some attempts to revise the ending, to have Zurga die <laughs> in various different ways, but... I like it like this, I though, do, too. Because it's, it's sort of, it's open-ended. Exactly. What is going to become of Zurga? Right. Because he has, I mean, on, on one level, he's a very admirable figure. Because he has tried, he has striven to maintain that friendship with Nadir. He, but yeah, I mean, when it, when push comes to shove, he has let Nadir and Leila go, and he's even set fire to his own men's houses. <laughs> you don't, you're almost tempted to say he's he's overcome his own baser natures, except you can't quite get past the fact that he set fire to the village. It's <laughs> a little sticky point there. I mean, this piece. <laughs> it's taken a lot of heat over the years over the libretto. Uh, even one of the librettists, Cormon, one of the librettists, basically outright said, well, if we'd known what a good composer Bizet was, we might have tried harder. <laughs> what is but, it? You know, again, as we, you know, we, how many times do we say this? You know, especially with 19th century opera or, or earlier opera that – despite any weaknesses in the libretto or or any instances where the libretto is is a little bit dated the music more than redeems it the music takes it's about taking the basic emotions and distilling it into music and making the audience feel that and and Bizet even at this early stage in his career well, this was this that. was an early work very him. much so he Carmen won, is 10 years in the future he had won the prix de rome and it was because of him having won the Prix de Rome that he got the commission to write The Pearl Fishers. Right. And, you know, it opened 
and it ran for 18 performances and closed and was never performed again during his lifetime. Right, right. And it only came really back into the standard operatic repertoire in the middle of the 20th century. Yeah. And while musically it may not be the most original work in the way that Carmen is, uh, he has already this mastery of melodic composition and, and it's, uh, you know, just listen to that duet. If, if that's the only piece from the score you know, it's wonderfully melodic and distinctive and, um, and just plain beautiful. Georges Bizet's Les Pêcheurs de Pearl, The Pearl Fishers. That's this week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. Thank you for listening. <laughs>